left fielders. This is the Infielder Spotlight Podcast, powered by Left Field Investors. Our community is focused on networking and education to help people invest passively and think differently. Let's go. Welcome to the Infielder Spotlight episode, where one of our infielders share their story with host Chad Ackerman. Listen in to gain insights from our community on how to create financial freedom through passively investing in real assets that generate real cash flow. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the LFI Spotlight. I'm your host, Chad Ackerman. And with me today, we have infielder Scott Topper joining us. Scott, welcome to the show. Appreciate you joining. Thanks, Chad. Happy to be here. Great. Again, appreciate you joining and sharing your journey with us. But before we get into the journey, why don't you just give us the background? Where are you from? What do you do kind of stuff? Sure. Absolutely. First and foremost, I'm a father and husband, father of two young girls, a six-year-old and a three-year-old, which takes up a lot of my time outside of my W-2 job. So I am still a W-2 employee at a tech startup company. So I sell software for a technology company. I live right outside of Chicago, Illinois, right around the corner from where I grew up as well. But yeah, Midwest guy through and through. So I haven't had anybody on from Chicago yet. So great to see some Midwest connection in here. I hope we can grow the community out here. I'd love to start doing some more in-person events. Yeah, that's an area we figured it's just such a big population. We don't sadly know how many left fielders are out there, but that's on our list is to pay attention to Chicago a little more. So you may be the start of it all today. So thank you for that. Sounds good. Okay, no problem. (laughs) Yeah, very good. So tech guy living in Chicago, tell us about how you got started into the real estate investing, the passive investing side of things. Sure. So I'm going to go back all the way to after I graduated college, I went down the corporate route for a year, got a job at a large company. And about a year into that, took the purple pill, so to speak, and read the Rich Dad Poor Dad book that we all know and love. And I was actually living in California and San Francisco at the time. It inspired me to come back to Chicago and do something entrepreneurial. And I got into real estate at that time as a real estate broker, trying to basically foray my way into the business actively in Chicago. And did that for a couple of years and found, and I kind of ran into this little event in 2008 called the Great Financial Crisis. And I was early in my career and I kind of thought, do I want to be in this part of real estate for this long? And I was 100% commissioned at the time and I was looking for something more stable. So I kind of made my way back into the W2 world and I still was focused on real estate, but moved over to a bank and was focused on it from a lending perspective. So I got into commercial underwriting and started underwriting deals on behalf of the bank, which was really interesting during that time period and also has value today as we look at deals passively and did that for a few years and then just kind of stayed on the traditional W-2 route. I kind of got away from what I found interesting and rich dad, poor dad. And I bought a condo personally that I lived in. But from a career perspective, I applied to business school. I went away to business school and, and went down the corporate route. Now, what happened, I have a similar sort of story to a lot of people is I became an accidental landlord because I bought my condo. And then two years later, I moved out of state to go to business school and could either sell it or rent it. And I just said, you know what? I know nothing about renting, but I'll try. And I did it. And I've been renting it ever since. So even after business school, I came back to Chicago, never moved back in. I've been renting it ever since then and still rent it today. So it's minimally active because I have property management, but it's mostly passive and it's been great. 
And then fast forward all the way to the beginning of COVID or so. And I've been on this track contributing my 401k and doing the traditional route and said, well, how do I really start to build a plan for generational wealth and success? And I keep doing this forever, but I want to look for some another way. And I went back to my roots of the purple pill and Robert Kiyosaki. I found his podcast and then found myself like everyone else in the podcast, podcast circuit, right? With his guests and their podcasts and found my way eventually to LFI. And LFI is where I made my first meaningful foray into where I learned about passive investing. And that was about a year ago, a little over a year ago, beginning of 2022 and getting involved in the community and joining the infield and just from people. And I made a goal for myself. I said, okay, this is what I want to start doing. I need to start building that snowball. And I made a goal to invest in, in one deal in my first year. I wound up getting in three last year and have already a couple more this year. So I got super excited about it. I'm really passionate about it. I mean, this is kind of the new way of my future. So I'm sure we'll talk about some of that as well. But that's my story. That's awesome. That feels very similar to my own path of just the passion I had around it. The more I learned about it, the more excited about it I got about it. The more I talked to people in the community, you just I fed off of it because it seemed like you could sit and talk for hours to people about real estate investing if you found the like-minded individuals out there and everything. So I don't know if that's a benefit or a curse along the way, but <laughs> I think it's a great benefit. I mean, the message people like and trust, and there's this concept initially where it's like, well, these are people on the internet. I don't know any of them, <laughs> right? But you quickly learn that you have a common ground where I don't have it in my own community with friends I've had forever, my family, my neighbors, they don't talk about this stuff and they don't really know about it. So to me, this is a great new community. That's great. So let's peel it back to when you were making a decision for that very first one to invest in. What gave you the confidence or what resources or whatever it was that gave you the confidence to pull the trigger on that first one? What got you over the hump? Because that's a big sticking point for a lot of people, I think. was for me. It took me a long time as well. But what gave you that confidence to go ahead and jump in on a deal? Absolutely. And it did take me a couple months. I wanted to see a lot of deals before I can make a decision. I was seeing no deals before and then I joined this community and now there's tons, right? So really kind of learning. I think it's just really important to focus on meeting people and getting different perspectives to the point where I think for everybody, it's going to feel uncomfortable. So if you're someone out there who hasn't yet done your first first deal and been sitting on the sidelines and looking at deals, I don't think you're going to find the moment where you feel completely comfortable. There's going to be some discomfort there. So for me, it was meeting people, really digging in. I dug in really deep. I went back to my finance roots and all of the underwriting of the deal, tried to almost reproduce the analysis they did. Not everybody has to do that. <laughs> but for me, that I felt like I looked at enough of those deals like that. I talked to enough people where I said, you know what? The stock market is not as reliable as people think it is. Why would this be any different? right? And then you have a network of people who can vouch for that. With inflation on the rise, private debt may provide the short-term hedge you're looking for. Spartan Investment Group identifies low-risk investment opportunities that offer predictable returns. The numbers speak for themselves. From 2018 to 2021, they grew revenue by over 3,500%. Their private debt boasts stable monthly payments and a short repayment horizon. And since it's backed by self-storage and a personal guarantee, you can invest with confidence. To learn more, visit Spartan-Investors.com. 
This is Zach Hapsensall, CEO and co-founder of Rise48 Equity. At Rise48, we've completed over $1.7 billion in total transactions, including 11 successful full-cycle dispositions. If you're looking to invest with an experienced sponsor in either the Phoenix, Arizona, or Dallas, Texas markets, then set up a call with us today at rise48equity.com backslash invest. That's R-I-S-E 48 equity.com backslash invest. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's a lot of what helped give me that confidence as well is just safety in numbers. I don't know if we're all had it right, but the fact that I wasn't the only one thinking that a deal looked good made me feel more comfortable anyway. So that's good. So it helps with the resources you got started. What are the three deals that you've jumped in on so far? I'm just curious where you started along the way. Sure. So I started in multifamily. That was the first deal. Then I got into kind of more of a debt fund and then an ATM deal. So for me, it's the hardest struggle, actually, if I go back to thinking about where I want to place my strategy is, am I going after cash flow? Am I going after growth? How do you balance that? I struggled with that for a long time. I'm still struggling with it, but I wanted to kind of start to diversify and I felt like that would be the best way to learn. So that's where I am now. Recently got into a retail deal, which is a bit contrarian, I believe, but I happen to really like it. And, but also still looking at some more, let's call it traditional non-traditional asset classes like self-storage and mobile home parks I'm really interested in as well. Yeah, that's great. I've struggled with the whole growth first cash flow as well. And I'll be greedy. I want both of those things. But diversity has been the key as I've tried to look at my portfolio and not a 50-50 balance, but balance at least to some percentages mix of the two things that seems to be a fit for where I am today. And that's a thing that needs to pivot as my growth develops and my situations change or my goals adjust, whatever it is, I like to feel that none of it's locked in stone. I've got to be able to pivot to any of this, just depending what's needed, when it's needed, that kind of thing. So great stuff. You're into it. Can you share some lessons learned or any advice for people that are a step or two behind you that might be helpful for somebody getting ready or making maybe their second investment, whatever the case may be? Absolutely. I mean, you hit on the point already around resources and leveraging your resources. I think there's three main things I would say if I look back and could talk to somebody where I was a year ago or so was having a growth mindset overall. So meaning focus on what you can learn and be good at no matter where you are today, wherever you're standing today, your experience, your background, you can always learn and grow and get better. And there's an unlimited amount to learn. (laughs) So I consider myself a lifetime learner, regardless of how much time I put into something. If you have that attitude, I feel like you'll just be successful. Secondly is relationships. So one of the things that was really attractive for LFI for me is that this investing game, what I've learned is a team sport. And having the ability to meet more and more people and learning from more people allows you to learn from their mistakes and grow faster and get up the curve even faster. So relationships are huge. And then the third one is really around setting goals. I mentioned the goal earlier around having getting my first deal done in the year. I think it was Ben Franklin had the famous quote, right? If you're planning to fail or something like that, right? And formalizing those goals is super important. Even small goals, right? Get into one deal. And then I'm setting up my next set of goals in this year, medium term. But sometimes it's also about not just writing it down, but verbalizing it so that you spread the accountability out. So I'll give you an example, Chad. I said something I didn't expect to say when I was playing golf with my father-in-law this summer. I told him, I have a plan to have the option to retire from my W-2 by the time I'm 50 years old. And I just turned 41. That's nine years from now. And I said it 
didn't expect to say it, but now I have to do it, right? Because <laughs> I've told someone about it. So there's some accountability there that I think really helps give you that extra kind of push in the behind to make sure you get it done. Yeah, no, I'm a big believer in that. I'd heard that in different books, on different podcasts as well, verbalize, share it, hold yourself accountable that way. I'm a firm believer in that. I set a goal three years ago to get out of my W-2, and the week we're recording this is my last week in my W-2, so I achieved it. Oh, congratulations. Thank you very much. So now I'm like in my head, okay, time to come up with new goals and start verbalizing those too. So it's funny you brought that up because I'm living that as we speak and planning on the next set of goals, whatever they're going to be, and start sharing that with people that I'm around all the time. It worked for me. I wouldn't say people were always asking me, hey, how's it going? Because I mean, they would because they knew I was involved with left field. But I think the fact that I verbalized it kept myself accountable because I know I'd shared this with so many people. But I have a proof positive check the box. I pulled one off anyway. So time to move on to another goal and do it again, I guess. So I'm with you on that one. I liked all yours, but I like that one a lot too. This is great stuff. All good information to share. Sounds like you're in the middle of goals. My last question is always, what's next for you? It sounds like you're in the middle of working on that, but maybe you have some of that plan in mind anyway. I do. So a little more analytical person. So I've mapped out what are the next, what does it take to get me to that goal? by the age of 50 over the next nine years per year, given my expectation of expenses. So putting that together, but also having a little more tangible plan versus kind of a high level goal. So I joined my first uh, tribe this year, which is super exciting. That was actually one of my goals for this year and diversifying into different deal types and also just maintaining a really laser focus on the economic environment that we're in. Like all of us, it's just changing so quickly. So not making decisions too irrationally, but really kind of making sure I understand the market dynamics and where there might be opportunities, but also being sure, being ready to make a move if there is an opportunity. So versus having to start over from the beginning every single time. So I'm still doing a lot of analysis, even if I'm waiting for a couple months on a deal, but I'm going to be ready like an alligator to strike uh, if there's a good deal out there. I think that's great. There's a lot of things you can do to prep yourself and be prepared, especially in this economy where maybe deals are a little harder to come by. So you want to be sure you're acting. My always fear is it's kind of a funnel, right? If it's harder to find deals, there's more of us that want to get into them. So they're going to fill up quicker too, which isn't the greatest scenario to be in the middle of because you don't want to make hesitate quick decisions. But I think it's great. Honestly, like my thought around that has always been that's exactly why we build a community. That's what exactly why we encourage people to find a community because then you don't have to make all those decisions on your own. You can get a pulse of what's going on based on the people that are in your community, hopefully too. So it's another way to help educate yourself before you make a decision anyway is the goal. So absolutely. And I guess maybe one other thing I'll add to that chat too is just double down on the relationships and networking piece for me. I mean, I started off LFI doing the LFI intros and I did them almost every single week for like six months. I still do them today. I'm still looking for opportunities to meet people. I went to the meetup in Columbus, which was a phenomenal event. So I will definitely come back again if we do it this year. So great job. And then any other events and opportunities just to meet new people and learn. I think that's fantastic, especially in this day and age. If you are being a little more cautious about getting in and not into deals all the time, you can still build relationships. You can talk to sponsors. You can talk to community members just to, again, help prep for the day when we get back on top of all this economy stuff, hopefully, and move forward. So good stuff, Scott. 
No, this is great. Appreciate you sharing your story with us and the contributions you've made to left field as well along the way. So thank you for that. But really just thanks for coming on today. We really enjoyed the hearing about your story as well. Thanks for having me, Chad. It was great chatting with you and uh, looking forward to meeting more people in the community. Awesome. Very good. And thank you to the community for listening in today as well. And we will see you next time in the spotlight. Visor provides investors with a secure platform that displays a comprehensive view of all of their holdings on a single holistic dashboard from real estate syndications to private equity, crypto to traditional investments with AI driven, unbiased, honest insights to maximize return. Visor is your one place to rule them all. Automating performance tracking, projecting future cash flow, analyzing all your financial documents and much more in one powerful solution, making it easy to follow the money. Sign up for a free 30-day trial now at Pfizer.co. Hey, left fielders, this is Julian McClurkin. When I'm not on the court with the Harlem Globetrotters, I'm the chief storyteller for TribeVest. Now, you might be thinking, why would TribeVest hire a Globetrotter? <laughs> well, through my travels around the world, I've met so many amazing people and heard their incredible stories. And it's no different at TribeVest. My job is to share the stories of people investing together as a group, as a tribe. TribeVest allows groups to pool their capital, set up their LLCs and bank accounts, help with operating agreements, funding rounds, and so much more. Whether you're investing with other dads from your kid's preschool class or getting into real estate syndications with people around the country like LFI infielder Brian Pawnell, TribeVest helps them all make it happen. If you want to hear more about stories about TribeVest's customers, just check out TribeVest's YouTube channel. And if you're already ready to start investing as a group, head on over to TribeVest.com today. Thanks for hanging out in the infield with us today. If you're interested in becoming an infielder, you can find us at leftfieldinvestors.com or you can send me an email directly at chad at leftfieldinvestors.com. Thank you for listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. If you enjoy the show, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review the show. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing said on the show should be considered financial advice. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Passive Investing from Left Field and Left Field Investors. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.